Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Do that, get out your sermon notes, get out your Bibles. We're going to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to talk about your thought life today. Now, again, what we say is when you do a book study like this, every week is a different topic, and and it's just all according to what you're going to read that week. And today, we're talking about our thought life. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 11 is what we're going to read about today. So let's go right there and start. This is out of the NIV. It says, then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, there's, first of all, we've got to stop right there. That's no accidents. There, there are no accidents in the Bible. That, that's a statement there that the Holy Spirit um, told Paul to write. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. And he could have stopped right there. He could have said, we're just, well, we're, where Christ is. No, he said, where Christ is seated at the right hand of of God the Father. What is Jesus doing right now at the right hand of God the Father? He is making intercession for us, and that means he's going to God on our behalf. He's going to God on your behalf, on my behalf. But let me say it this way, everybody. Before we go even any further into this portion of Scripture, this is going to help so many of you here in this room, that, that your name, think about this, if Jesus Christ is making intercession for you, and the very fact that you're in church today hearing the word of God proves to me, proves to me that God has a plan for you, that God isn't done with you, that that God wants to do something special in you. He wants to teach things to you, and he wants you to live the life that he's called you to live. So it's no accident that you're here. The the very fact that you're here listening to uh, to the word of God is an act of God because he put that in your heart to be here today. So that being said, think about this, everybody, that your name, your name, not just my name, not just the name of Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, that your name has been spoken in heaven out loud, that Jesus Christ, who is making intercession for us, he has said your name to the heavenly Father. Now, what did he say? I have a feeling that I know what Jesus said to God concerning me. Hey, God. Oh, see, Justin, Ooh, he needs some help. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. That guy needs some help. Okay? And you think, hey, if that's, the, if that's the, the commentary, if that's what Jesus said to God, I don't care how it came out of Jesus' mouth. I'm just so glad that Jesus loves me enough to actually say my name to the Heavenly Father and make intercession for me. How many know what I'm talking about today? That's pretty special, isn't it? That God would actually hear your name being called out from his son, Jesus, as Jesus is saying, hey, help, help him, help her. You know, I've thought some stupid things in my life. Have you? Have you ever had some stupid thoughts? Uh, so, so here's some thoughts that I hear all the time. And, and, and again, I used to be really, like, they used to bother me, especially when you're at, at funerals, uh, things like that, and, and somebody, you know, talks about their, their grandma or their nephew or, or their spouse, and, and they say things like, well, he's just an angel in heaven now. She's just an angel in heaven. I think, where is that in the Bible? Like, that's not, you know that any, any believer that has gone to be with the Lord, you know that they're not an angel. If you don't, you need to read your Bible more. They're, 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 they're not, oh, they're just an angel now and floating in heaven. No, no, that's not the way it works. And, and you need to study that because that's just not the way it works. And at the same point, uh, God corrected me because I, I was really thinking, why do people say that? That just doesn't make sense. And yet I had these stupid thoughts, these really stupid thoughts that at, at moments in my life where I didn't feel like I was connected with God, that I really felt, the, I, I did not feel the presence of God in my life. Like, I wondered if God even loved me. I've had some pretty dark moments in my life. Like, God, how could you even love me? And I don't even feel you. And I don't even, 
I know your word says that when I draw near to you, you draw near to me, but I feel nothing, God. And, and it feels as if, God, you've pulled yourself from me. I, I'm telling you, some dark days in my life. And, and I would have these s- stupid thoughts that would say things like, well, you know, my grandma, she was a wonderful believer, and she loves, she loved me. I mean, my grandma loved me. So if she's in heaven, I bet my grandmas went to God and said, God, you got to help out my grandson. Or, or my uncle, my uncle, he died of leukemia, and he, oh, he loved me. Um, he, he called me Big Red, and he gave me the tightest squeezes, and he was so proud of me, and hey, Big Red, he'd hug me, and he loved Jesus. One of the greatest personal evangelists I've ever met, uh, just, um, just a phenomenal personal evangelist. He just led so many people to the Lord, not, not from a, a platform, but just conversation. And I thought, well, surely my Uncle James would, would go to God and talk to God about me. And then, and, and the Holy Spirit corrected me. Like, whoa, your grandma? Your uncle? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who died for you, the one who gave his life for you, is speaking your name to the Heavenly Father. How much more valuable is the voice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? speaking to the Father on my behalf. Everybody see that now? Like your name, new song, think about this. Your name has been mentioned in heaven by Jesus Christ, our Savior, to God the Father. Jesus was telling God exactly what you needed. And by the way, I don't think that's a one-time event. I think that's ongoing. He's constantly making intercession for us. That means that your name has been mentioned to God the Father multiple times. You're like, well, Justin, how do I know they even talk? What if they just think the thoughts and they all know it? I'm not going to quibble over that. <laughs> Who cares? Like, they're talking about me. They're talking about you because they love you. Because our Father, Heavenly Father, loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. They are three in one. Amen? Three, three in one. And, and, God, they, Father, Spirit, Son, loves you. They love you. They love you. And your name has been mentioned in heaven. Isn't that amazing? And, 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 and with that in mind now, go back to Colossians 3.1. And, and Paul is saying this, hey, since you've been raised with Christ, since you're a believer in Christ, since you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, set your hearts on things above and don't, and don't forget that Christ is seated there at the right hand of, heaven, of our Heavenly Father, making intercession for us. Like, don't forget that. Put your hearts there. Put your, put your thoughts there. That you're on God's mind. That, that God thinks about you. And he prepares good things for you. He knows exactly what you need. And he provides it. Oh, he's so good, new song. I wish I could describe this to you. He's so good to you. And sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we get our hearts, our minds off of that. Let's keep reading verse, verse 2. It says, then after that, set your minds then. At first he said, set your hearts. Now he says, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Like stop looking around and start looking up. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now this is a sermon for another day, but how many know Jesus is coming back? But okay, that's just not an idea, everybody. That's a truth, that, that Jesus Christ is coming again. Then one of these days, all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be taken up to be with the Lord. The Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them and to meet our Lord in the air. Amen? The Bible says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Like that should be so encouraging to us that one of these days we're going to be in the presence of God because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say in verse 5, so then having, having thought that, having your heart and your, your thoughts on Christ, then put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he gives you some example, examples here, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And by the way, you can also see Paul writing that same thing in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 2. You can, you can read he's saying the same thing to multiple churches. That's who you once were, but that's not who you are now. You used to live like that, but now you don't. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Verse 8, 
but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. And he it gives more examples. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. We're going to come back to that. Is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. So here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And I think we should say a very big amen to that. Amen. amen. He is all and he is in all. We've been telling you that. that Christ is, should be at the center of your life because he's everything. He is our all in all. He's everything to us. Thought life, that's what we're talking about today, your thought life. How do you set and why do you set your heart and your mind on things above? Letter, or, or, sorry, number one, write this down. Everything in your life begins with a thought. Everything in your life begins with a thought. Everything. Everything begins with a thought. Let, let me say it like this. When you decided uh, to get married, that started with a thought. Like, I want to I marry this guy. I want to marry this girl. When, when some, some of you in this room, and, and, and by the way, this isn't a put down. The grace of God is, is powerful, so don't, this isn't a put down. But some of you had a thought when you got divorced. I, I want a divorce. There were others who had a similar thought who said, I need a divorce. I've got to have a divorce here. It, it began with a thought. And how many know when you get married, that changes the course of your life? When you get a divorce, that changes the course of your life. Some of you are like, um, I, I want to have kids. You had this thought. I, I want to have a family. I want to have kids. How many know that kids changes the course of your life? Some, some of you are like, well, I, I got to tell you something. Some, some, some of your children were a surprise, right? Because you're thinking, well, at the time, I wasn't thinking about kids at all, actually. And she just got pregnant. I didn't plan that, but, but, um, but you had some thoughts in the moment about your spouse, though, didn't you? I don't know one pastor who says he has five kids, and everybody says, wow, you must really like kids. He says, no, I just really like my wife. <laughs> I, I have no problem with that, everybody. I like my wife, too. And I know when, you're, you know when kids are coming, you're not thinking about kids at the time, but they come, don't they? They show up. And a lot of you just said, hey, I want to have a family. That was a, that was a thought that you had. To, to, my, my wife and I had another thought. We had this thought for a long time, long before we ever adopted, we had this thought, we want to be adoptive parents. We want to adopt a child. And, and of course, you know the story of that. That's exactly what we did. And our youngest daughter, who's eight now, uh, Delight, she's from Haiti. We adopted her. And uh, sometimes we stand out in a crowd. Like some, sometimes people just stare at us because, you know, we're all... We're all white, but she's not. And, and we stand out in a crowd, and we, we don't even hardly see it anymore. But that was a choice that we made. It, and it started with a, with a thought. It started with a thought. Everything, everything begins with a thought. That's why your thought life is so important. Because your thoughts, in fact, we'll tell, tell you this in just a, a little while, but your thoughts changes the course of your life. Everything begins with a thought. Let me prove this to you. I, I, I don't read, I, I like to read out of the message. It's not a translation. It's definitely a paraphrase. It's some, some guy said, hey, I'm going to write the, the Bible, but I'm going to put it in like today's language. And to tell you the truth, the guy is, is so intelligent that sometimes he doesn't really put it in today's language because he uses words and phrases that we really don't actually use in day-to-day -day language. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that's, and it's pretty wordy too. If you ever read the message, it's really wordy. Sometimes the, the, the New King James or the King James or NIV just says it better and faster. But then sometimes I read something out of the message and say, oh man, he nailed it on that one. And that's Ecclesiastes 10 too. Watch what he says. And again, this is scripture, but it's from the message. Wise thinking leads to right living and stupid thinking leads to wrong living. How many know that's true? Like when you, when you do stupid things, stupid things are produced because you had a stupid thought. Come on, how many has ever done something really stupid? My brother needs to get both hands up. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell you stories about my brother, and I won't. I won't embarrass my brother today, but I, I've seen my brother do some really stupid things. And why did he do that? Because he had a stupid thought. And by the way, he's seen me do some stupid things. Why did I do it? Because I had a stupid thought. So wise thinking leads to a great life. But stupid thinking, that leads to a bad life. 
And, and a lot of times, aren't we our worst enemy sometimes? Because sometimes we find ourselves in a place that we put ourselves there. Nobody did. It was just our wrong thinking. It was, it was our wrong choice that put us in a really bad spot that we, that we can't seem to hardly get out of, but you know full well you can't really point the finger at anybody but yourself because everybody, everything begins with a thought. And we need to make good choices. We need to have good thoughts if we want to live a good life. Romans 12, 2. By the way, a lot of the stupid things that I did as a child, we actually did together, just for the record, okay? We did a lot of stupid things together. Uh, one time, I, I'll tell you one story. It's too great not to tell. One time we were together riding bikes, and my brother decided to, to ramp an irrigation ditch without knowing what was on the other side. And when he came out, of course he wrecked, obviously, because it was a stupid thing to do. And when he came out of it, his arm had snapped. And we rode our bikes all the way back to this house, and he had a big dent in his arm from it being snapped. How many of you have ever done something stupid like that before? How many broken bones over stupidity? Am I the only one? Because I've... This one time, I, I, this girl uh, in high school, uh, she made me mad, and I decided to stunt to uh, punch a steel door. And I don't have any, I don't have any, if you ever notice, I don't have any knuckles on my right hand because I, I smashed up my hand so bad punching that door. And that wasn't her fault, by the way. That was just my stupidity. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just sometimes we do dumb things. And, and yet, some things we can laugh at those things about, and then there's some other things Come on, everybody. There's some other things in your life that choices that you made that you don't laugh at, do you? There's some things, there's some things that you've said, things that you've done that you're not laughing at because you know it, it was just wrong. You had the wrong heart. You had the wrong motive. You had the wrong thought. And, and now you're living through some pain because of choices that you made. And, and can I even go any further? Some of you made some choices that hurt somebody else, and now somebody else is living through pain because of the choices that you made. And I, and I help those people all the time, people who've been abused, who've been hurt, because somebody made a wrong thought. They had a wrong thought, and they followed through it. It turned into a choice, because everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. You say, how do I get there? By changing the way you think. If you want to be a new person, if you, if you want to have the, the life that God wants you to have, you have to change the way that you think. You, you, and I know sometimes people say, well, I, I think I need to change my actions. No, everything begins with a thought. You need to change your mind first. And when you change your mind, you'll change your actions. I promise you that. Number two, write this down. This is the other important thing about thoughts. What we think determines how we feel. What we think determines how we feel. Philippians 4, 8 and 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, if it's praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. And then verse 9 says, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. When you, when you change the way that you think, it'll change the, the, the feelings that you have. When you change your thoughts, it'll change your feelings. Let me say it this way, that feelings follow thoughts. That feelings follow thoughts. Feelings follow thoughts. I have a very, um, uh, very close friends. In fact, um, we knew them in Wisconsin, and um, she was on staff at the, at the church, and she tells this story about how her and her husband were just, just hanging, their marriage was hanging on by a thread, and it was literally just headed towards divorce unless God did the miraculous. And she was living with a man that was ex-military and, and just a tough, hard-nosed guy back in the day. And um, the Lord just spoke to her and just said to her, find something to, to, to concentrate on. Find something good about him and acknowledge it. Like, find something. And, and she literally was like, God, I don't know of anything. Like, I hate everything about him. Like, it all drives me nuts. And she's praying about it. Like, God, what? What, what, do I, what, what good do I possibly have to say about this guy who, who, who is mean-spirited and hateful, and he mistreats me, and he mistreats our children? And at that nighttime, um, 
They were getting ready for bed, and she noticed her husband just went from door to door, locking the doors. And then he started walking upstairs, and she stopped him, and she called him by name. She said, you know what? I just want you to know I respect you so much. And she just walked away. Well, he followed her. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second. You respect me? Like, why, why would you respect me? Because he knew that his marriage was, all in all, it was just over. He knew that. And so he followed her. What do, you, what do you mean you respect me? She said, you know what? I know we've had our difficulties, but I just realized tonight the one thing that you always do is you always make sure that we're safe. You know, I've never been scared around you, and I just want you to know I respect you. I respect you for being the man that you are, for protecting the, your family the way that you protect us. And I go to sleep at night knowing that we're fine. I know that you would give your life for us. And I just want you to know I respect you for that. Well, all of a sudden, he started telling her reasons why he loves her. And the more she felt loved, the more she showed respect. And if you know anything about Dr. Emerson Egrich's book, Love and Respect, it's going from the crazy cycle to the, to the energizing cycle. And he goes like this, the, the crazy cycle is when I feel disrespected, then I'm not going to show love. But when I don't feel love, I'm not going to show respect. If I don't feel respect, then I'm not going to show love. Well, if I don't feel love, then I'm not going to show respect. And couples get on this crazy cycle where their marriage is getting worse and worse and worse because they're always thinking the worst about each other. Dr. Emerson Egrich says, hey, listen, find that one thing and start showing respect. Find that one thing and start showing love. And because he felt respected, he started showing love. And because she felt love, she started showing more respect. And because he received more respect, he started showing even more love. And their marriage was transformed to the point that they were even traveling, doing marriage seminars and, and, and teaching people, hey, this is how to turn around your marriage. This is what God did for us. And everybody, it started with a thought. It started with God saying to her, listen, find that one thing that he does that you love about him, that, that, that you appreciate, and just say it. Just, just start there, and she did. And then all of a sudden, that thing, it was like flipping a light switch, everybody. Their, their marriage was absolutely turned. It was absolutely turned around. And because of that, um, they, had the effect, they, they had an effect on other people. They were able to challenge and help other people. And by the way, eventually their feelings followed those thoughts. She'll, she would tell you, hey, the, as we were turning this thing around, I still didn't feel love for him. I, I, I felt appreciation. All of a sudden, I started feeling loved by him as he started feeling loved by me. But it took a while for those feelings to be, to grow, to mature. But, but make no mistake about it, your, your feelings will follow your thoughts. People come into my office sometimes and say, well, Pastor Justin, I'm just not in love with, any, with him anymore. I'm not in love with her anymore. And I, I say to them, you don't know what love is then. And, and I'll ask them, well, where in the Bible is the definition of love? And sometimes they can tell me, sometimes they can't. And I'll say, well, the best definition of love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look there. Love is patient. I said, isn't it, isn't it funny that when you're patient, that uh, you're always, did you ever notice that you're always pretty irritated when you're being patient? Anybody else notice that? Like, oh, come on, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? Like, is okay, so is, if it is an emotion, isn't it, is it a positive emotion? Well, no, it's actually a negative emotion. But patience, how many know that patience is a choice, it's not an emotion? If it were an emotion, you wouldn't do it because you'd be upset. You'd just walk away. I'm not going to be impatient. Well, it's not an emotion. It's a choice. Love is patient. Love is kind. Can you be kind to people that you don't like? Well, of course you can. So that means it's a, it's a choice. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is... No, nobody knows that scripture? You guys need to read your Bibles more? Is that what it... That's what, you're that's what I'm hearing, actually, right here. Let me, let me just give you some example. Love is, love is patient. Love is kind. Love, love is, is long-suffering. Love always endures. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. There's some things in there, everybody, that, that you say, well, man, it's hard for me to trust. It's hard for me to hope. It's hard for me to persevere. But, but did you notice that all of those things aren't emotions? Those things are actually choices. Could it be, everybody, that love is not an emotion? Love is a choice that leads to emotions, that, that produces emotions. But make no mistake about it, new song, love is a choice. Love is a choice. 
But when you make that choice, your feelings will follow. When you make that choice, I'm just going to love this person. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be envious. I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to brag. I'm not going to be filled with pride. I'm going to do what 1 Corinthians 13 says. I'm just going to make the choice to love them. Could it be that after you love somebody the way that God wants you to love them, by making a choice, that your, your feelings will start accompanying that love that you have for them? See, what we think determines how we feel, whatever is pure, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's excellent, whatever's praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you, meaning he'll change the way that you feel when you start thinking the way he wants you to think. That's how it works. Number three, write this down. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny because everything begins with a thought, then your thoughts determine your Destiny, and let me prove this to you in Scripture, Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Holy Spirit. So letting your sinful nature... By the way, I I can tell you, I know when I'm being controlled by the Holy Spirit or not. When I'm being controlled by the Holy Spirit, I'm thinking God thoughts. When I'm being controlled by the sinful nature, I'm, I'm thinking thoughts that are ungodly. I don't, I don't necessarily mean sinful. I just mean thoughts that, that, that just do not pertain to the things of God. And I, can, I, can just, I just know. And when I find myself thinking those thoughts, I think, man, I've got to get closer to God. I need to let him control my, my mind here. I need to let him control my thoughts. It's just a telltale sign if you're drawing close to Christ or, or, or actually pulling back from him a little bit. Is your, your thoughts, if you think about them, if you're if you think about what you're thinking about, it'll tell you if you're in, in a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So it said, verse 6 of Romans chapter 8, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Well, nobody wants that. But letting the Spirit control your mind, the Holy Spirit control your mind, that leads to life and peace. And we all say, well, I want that. And I want life. I want peace. Well, you have to let the Holy Spirit control Control your mind because your thoughts determine your destiny. That's what he's saying. If you think ungodly thoughts, it's going to lead to an ungodly life. Why? Because your thoughts determine your destiny. But if you think godly thoughts through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a godly life, a life of peace that's going to be joyful, it's going to be wonderful. And if you want that life, it's because you chose to think good thoughts. You were directed, guided by the Holy Spirit because thoughts determine your destiny. So you have to allow the Holy Spirit to help you. He's got to help you think the right thoughts. And I'm going to teach you how to do that right now. I must allow the Holy Spirit to help me, letter A, write this down, concentrate on that which is pure. So if you're saying, okay, pastor, I got a problem with my thought life. Sometimes I think ungodly thoughts. Sometimes I, you know, I think things that I shouldn't think and I get angry and I get depressed and I get discouraged and I get impatient. And sometimes let's Let's be honest, sometimes there, there's things even beyond that, sinful things like, man, I can't stop thinking about, um, you know, a woman at work. I can't stop thinking about this guy that I've met at the gym. I can't, and, and even though you're married, you're thinking about somebody else. Well, that, that's not godly. Well, I can't stop thinking about, you, you know, um, um, let's, say, let's say you're having money problems and you're just thinking about, I just need more money, I just need more money. I'd be happy if I only had money. If I only had money, I'd be happy. Well, that's an ungodly thought because Christ is, should be everything to you. The, the, the Bible says whatever situation you find yourself in, you should, you should be content. If you have everything, be content. If you don't have anything, be content because God is enough. So you know that those are ungodly thoughts. If someone says, well, I'd be happy if I had money. No, that's just an ungodly thought. You, you see what I'm saying now? And you've got, to, you've got to concentrate then on things that are pure, on things that are pure. In fact, uh, Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. How many know that everything's pure in heaven? There is no impurity in heaven. There is no impurity in the presence of God. He is absolutely pure. And he's seated. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. So set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So you've got to concentrate on that which is pure. Concentrate on that which is pure. Now listen, new song. I am teaching you a life 
life-changing message right now. Like what I'm telling you right now has the ability to determine the course of your life if you embrace it. If you reject it, well, there's another path that you're going to go, and you're not going to like that one. What what I'm telling you today is life-changing, to concentrate on things that are pure, on things that are pure. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The Bible says, God, this is Isaiah the prophet, God, you will keep in perfect peace those who trust in you, all whose thoughts are just solely upon you. You keep them in perfect peace. Like, you direct their steps, you direct their life, you comfort them, you bring them joy, you quiet their heart in stressful situations. Everybody, can I tell you something? You need to concentrate on that which is pure. Can I tell you something? God is pure. His Son is pure. The Holy Spirit is pure. By the way, the Word of God is pure. There is no error in it. There is no impurity in the Word of God. So if you focus your heart and your affection on God's Word, can I tell you, that'll lead you to a life of peace. Focus on the Word of God. Focus on the promises of God. The promises of God are pure. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So put your focus on the promises of God. Concentrate on them memorize them, quote them. The Bible says, God, I've hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. You could say it this way. God, I've hidden your word, the purity of your word in my heart. That way, I I don't do anything that's ungodly. That way, I I don't do anything that's sinful. Father, I hide your word in my heart so that I don't have bad thoughts because bad thoughts leads to bad choices. Well, Father, I'm hiding your word in my heart because I don't want to lead that type, type of life. So, so, so I'm going to concentrate on your word. I'm going to concentrate on your promises. I'm, I'm going to concentrate. The, the, the psalmist said, I delight in your law. I delight in your word. It, something that he took joy in. And we should, too. Hebrews 3.1 says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the church. Obviously, he's talking to believers. He says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our, as our apostle and our high priest. So, so why, why would he say high priest there? Well, remember that high priest is the one that would go to God on behalf of the people. He's like, hey, hey, remember, fix your, fix your thoughts on, on Jesus. And by the way, remember, he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. So we, we fix our, our eyes, we fix our thoughts upon him. So you've got to, new song, you've got to concentrate on that which is pure. That's life-changing right there. What's impure in your life? What's causing impure thoughts? You need to get rid of it. You need to get rid of it. In, in fact, everybody, I, I think some of you already know, yeah, there's some things in my life I, I probably need to get rid of. Some things in, in my life that are causing impure thoughts. And I just need to stop that. I, I, need, I, need to, I need to get away from that. I need to get away from that relationship. I need to get away from that computer. I, I, I got to get away from, from those friends. Like I think the Holy Spirit is already speaking to some, telling you what you need to do. You need to listen to them. And you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice to stay pure, concentrate on that which is pure. Let it be. You got to conquer thoughts that are impure. And again, verses 5 through 8 goes into it and explains, it says, put to death, remember, sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed. By the way, those all begin with a thought. They all begin with a thought. He goes on to say, no, you also have to put to death anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. That all begins with a thought. You got to put all of those things away. You got to get rid of all those things. You got to conquer all of those things. And, that, and this is what, what most people would say then. We get to the spot, well, Pastor, I, I want to have good thoughts. I want Jesus to control my thoughts. I want the Holy Spirit to control my, my thoughts. I just don't know how. I don't know how. Well, first of all, I'm telling you how. Concentrate on that which is pure. And the second thing is you got to conquer the thoughts that are impure, you got to conquer those thoughts. Let, let me read some scripture to you. Again, we've already read it, but Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So if you want to be a new person, you have to have 
new thoughts. You have to have new thoughts, and you got to stop imitating the things of this world. This, it, again, it's a choice that you make. You know, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to not going to live my life like that. Let, let me give you even a better verse for this. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Or you could say it this way, or of what we know to be true about God. So we demolish anything that sets itself up against what we know to be true about God. So is God pure? Yes. So then, therefore, any thought that is impure needs to be, according to this verse, needs to be demolished. You see that? You, you have to demolish every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God or what we know to be true about God. And by the way, we take captive, this is a military term, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to conquer that which is impure. That's what this is saying. You're saying, okay, okay, pastor, help me. Oh, so, so let's say it like this, everybody. Let's say I'm at home with my family and in my world, um, you know, in, in these days, I'll, I'll just pretend I'm writing this from 2,000 years ago. If somebody came into my home and was going to attack me or my family, well, um, I, I, you know, I, I have some things in my house to protect me and my family. Um, so in, in, in today's world, you know, I would pull out my handgun, and I have that. And uh, trust me, I would not be afraid to use that in order to protect me or my family. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, family first. Like, I'm, I'm going to protect my family. In those days, it might be a knife or a spear. And the military term would be if somebody, if an intruder comes into your home to protect you and your family, you're going to take that spear and you're going to thrust it up against that person's neck and you're going to pin them to the wall and say, one more move and I'll kill you. Like, you have, what, what you're saying is, you have no authority in this house to do what you are about to do. I get out of my house. You see what I'm saying? You, you are taking, and that's what you have to do with your thoughts. You have to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Like, you will. Sometimes I've told myself this literally. Justin, you will submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I've had to tell myself that in, in battling thoughts. Justin, you submit your thoughts to Jesus Christ. You make them obedient to Jesus. You say, wow, that, that's so violent. That's so like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm not. Um, the Bible says that there's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of God. There's this kingdom of light. And the Bible says that the violent take it by force. They're, they're, listen, new song. There's some things that you don't mess around with. Bad thoughts is one of them. You don't mess around with those thoughts. The Bible says, no, you take those thoughts captive. And you make them obedient to Christ. I've had to do that in my life. Oh, no, 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 depression, you, you don't have me. Fear, that was a huge one in my life. Fear, you don't have me. You will submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I, I had to say that, by the way, for years before I finally felt a release in that. And, and, and can I tell you that leads to number three, or, I'm sorry, point C, write this down. You got to continue to fight the battle. Continue to fight the battle. And he says it, Paul says it in verses 9 and 10 of Colossians 3. In fact, in verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator, which is being renewed, which is being renewed, meaning I'm not fully renewed yet. I'm not fully sanctified yet. I'm still in a battle. I'm still in a battle, and I have to continue to fight the battle. Can I tell you something about the battle? New song, look at your pastor. In fact, go ahead and just close your notes. Put those away for a second. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus here on something, just final minutes but I need your full attention. I'm going to be very transparent with you now. I, I have battled some things in my life. I have, I have battled against fear like, like nobody's business. I, I mean, like, everybody, there's just a few people in this room that know how badly I, I battled with fear. I mean, it was bad. A assurance of salvation. Oh, it was a battle. It was a battle, not, not for a month. Not for six months, not for a year, for years. Can I tell you, now that I look back, for decades, for decades, my mom came across something this past week. She thought it was cute. She was going through some old stuff, and she found this little 
note that I wrote God when I was seven years old. And, and so she, she, she typed, texted it to me. She didn't take a picture of it, but she wrote it down. And, and she's like, you know, look what I just read today. And it was like, smile and, oh, weren't you so cute type of thing. And you know what it was, what it was saying? It was, dear God, I want to be in heaven with you. I know you're in heaven. I hope I'm in heaven one day. I hope you really exist. And my mom thought that was cute, but as soon as I read it, I remembered. I know exactly why I wrote that. At the age of seven, I didn't feel good enough to be accepted by God. I was scared that God would not allow me in heaven. I, hadn't, I, had, I didn't have the assurance of salvation. I was like, my, as a seven-year-old, my prayer, God, I know you're in heaven. I know you're real. Is there a way that you could help me into heaven? And I wrote my mom back. I texted her back. I said, now you can see how deep that fear ran in my life. I had no assurance. I didn't, I didn't fully understand that God truly loves me and accepts me. You see what I'm saying now? I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, fear and lack of assurance ran deep in my life. And I battled it, and I battled it, and I battled it, and I battled it, and I'm going to be honest with you. I got to the point that I was so exhausted of the battle. You ever been there? Have you ever been just exhausted? You go to God, I went to God, like, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. Like, you said if I did this and this and this and this, then I would get to have it. Why don't, why don't I have that? How come everybody else gets to have that, but I don't? And it's just proof in my world. Well, that's just proof, Father, that I must be right, that you don't really accept me. Yet I would go back to God and say, well, God, according to your word, I don't have another choice in this matter. I've got to trust you. You are God. And your son is Savior of the world. And I don't have another choice here except to trust you. So God, once again, even though I'm tired, I submit to your lordship. And your word says that you love me. Your word says that I'm accepted. And that every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today, once again, God, I just choose to believe it. Even though I feel nothing, I choose to believe it. New song, I was so exhausted. I fought that for decades. You say, why didn't he deliver you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I just kept coming across verses, though, that would say things like, hey, God's going to refine you. There's going to be a refiner's fire. When you come out of it, you'll be better. I thought to myself, this has happened for so long. I should be great by that time. This has been miserable. And if you're there, if you're exhausted, new song, you have got to continue the fight. What other option do you have? Fight, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. See, you, you've got to concentrate on that which is pure. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you conquer things that are impure. And then you've got to continue the fight daily. Peter says a lot about these things. He must have battled with something like this because he kept saying it over and over and over again. In his letter, he said, 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope. He says in 1 Peter 4.7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind of sober mind so that you can pray. 1 Peter 5.8.9, Be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking for for someone to devour, and you got to resist him. By the way, it says resist him, standing as in every single day, as, as in continuing to stand firm in the faith. Resist him, resist him standing firm 
in the faith, resist him. And I'll tell you, after years and years and years of just standing firm in the faith, God, I feel nothing. I'm exhausted from the battle. But my only hope is in you, God. I'm just choosing you today. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm choosing you today. And then the next day, I do the same thing. And the next day, I do the same thing. And by the way, God eventually did the miraculous. And you know what's incredible? You wouldn't believe how many people come up to me and say, Pastor Justin, I accepted Christ a long time ago, but I don't even know if I'm saved. Hey, I know a few things about that. You and I need to talk. So I'm going to share with you the Word of God. I'm going to give you the hope that's in Christ. Sometimes, I, I would tell my dad, sometimes, Dad, I'm preaching this series because I know it's the Word of God. And I'm just preaching it in faith. Meaning, meaning I'm still waiting to experience what I'm preaching about. But the Word of God says it's true, so I'm going to preach it anyway. So I've learned, righteous people live by faith. We're not driven by feelings, we're driven by faith. And I need God in my life to capture my every single thought so I can be the man that he's called me to be. I need to concentrate on that which is pure. I need to conquer what's impure and only the Holy Spirit can help me with that. Listen, new song, I tried to conquer those things on my own, I can't. Justin can't conquer anything on his own. But through Christ, I can do all things because he strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, who's my Lord and my Savior. I am more than a conqueror, the Bible says. Justin can't conquer a thing, but God in Justin, oh yeah, that's where the power is. God, Christ Jesus in me. You see what I'm saying? So I got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to conquer those things in my life. And I've got to continue to fight the battle every single day. And focus my affection and my attention only on things that are above, not on things below, not on things of this world. I tell you, if you do that, you're going to change the course of your life. And you'll live for the glory of his name. And you'll see the miraculous, I promise you that. Would you close your eyes with me? A word of prayer. If you, have, if you have trouble in your thought life, <sighs> you battle it every day. And, and you hate that you have bad thoughts. You hate that not only that you've had bad thoughts, but those thoughts have led to wrong choices. And you're just needing God to forgive you today. Could you raise up your hand and show it to me? Just raise it really high. Yeah, lots of people. I'm with you. I'm with you. And then you go ahead and put your hands down. And then if there's some other in this room that you're fighting the good fight of faith, you, you, you're not giving in to those thoughts. Or you're not making bad choices necessarily, but you're just tired. I mean, you're just tired of the battle. I've been there. It's miserable. I, I just want to pray for you as your pastor. I just want to, just want to speak some life over you today. If you're just weary in the battle, could you raise up your hand and let me see who you are? All right. I'm so proud of you for being honest like that. I know it's humbling. You put your hands down. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. God's going to do the miraculous. Heavenly Father, forgive me for letting my thoughts get out of control for focusing on what was around me instead of on your goodness and your grace and your love. Forgive me, God. So I let my thoughts get the best of me. I've made some wrong choices, and that was my fault, Father. There's nobody else to blame except me. Jesus, I repent of that. I don't want to live that life anymore. I, I don't want to live. I don't want to live my life by making wrong choices. I, I want to be wise. And I'm asking for some wisdom today. What your word says that you would never deny 
if I ask for it. And oh God, do I ask for it. I need wisdom from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm going to need your help to to conquer thoughts that I've been thinking for a long time now. I need you, Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you, come on, Nusan, could we just lift up our hands to the Lord very quickly? Just ask this of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I need you to fill me. I need you to transform me. I need you to change my way of thinking. I I need your help. I need you to speak to me. I I need you to show me when I'm focusing on the wrong things. Holy Spirit, I, 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 I not just want to give you permission to come in, but I'm, I want you to come in and take over. <laughs> I, want, I want you to take over my thoughts and my heart and all of me. Take over, Holy Spirit, I pray. I just surrender my life to you and to what you want to do in me. And Jesus, I also pray for every single person who's just weary in the battle. They're just exhausted. They're tired. And they're wondering when you're going to step in and do the miraculous. Oh God, strengthen my church family today. Strengthen them, I pray, through the power of your spirit. And I speak life into them. I speak hope into them, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would Fill them with confident expectation that you are good and perfect in all of your ways and you have nothing but good in store for them and that you are deliverer, mighty deliverer. Deliver them, I pray, Father. Lord, I declare over New Song Church, over every family, over every individual, that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. But we declare that those weapons, those attacks, those schemes of the enemy that they are lifeless and void, and they are falling powerless to the ground right now. According to your word, and according to your will, and according to what you are doing in us, and what you will do in us, Father, I declare freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare wisdom upon all of us, Lord. And I declare that we will walk in freedom, being full of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of your name. I pray all of those things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.